Good morning, Gateway Church family. Good to see you. I'm in my office here at the church. We're doing something a little different today, and I'm happy to have a friend of mine and a friend of our church, Mark Gordon, with us today. And uh, Mark and Sandy, they live in Kelowna, BC. Mark tells me it's a lot warmer in Kelowna today than it is in Prince George, but we're not going to hold that against him. And Mark and Sandy, they're part of the pastoral team at The Bridge, which is a sister church of ours. And uh, I know, Mark, this has been a place where you've uh, intentionally built many thriving relationships. And on this Valentine's Day, we're talking about relationships, not just romantic ones, but uh, you've invested in uh, developing uh, young leaders, helping families, uh, helping people grow. So I want you just to tell us, like, how, like, all the things you do as a pastor, like, where does relationships fit into importance in what you do? Well, it's it's actually number one. <laughs> everything <laughs> Everything flows out of relationship. Yeah, isn't that true? So you not only just pastor, you uh, you uh, have decided that you you were bored just to be a pastor. You you want to add something else. So you are part of an organization where you function as a relationship catalyst. And uh, so I want you to tell us in a few words what is a relationship catalyst. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's simply inspiring and equipping uh, people in relationships. And of course, the first relationship being with God, and then relating to one yourself, and then relating to others. And so, uh, yeah. I believe that relationships are are fundamental. So we got to talk about them. I think a lot of times we've we've just gotten away from uh, the importance of them and and how much work it takes and and investment it takes. Yeah. So you you coach people on how to develop good relationships. Really? What yeah. You do. That's. That, yeah, so I started a uh, you know a speaking coaching practice that focuses specifically on helping people build healthy relationships, and and that is because that passion grew in me from being a pastor for the last thirty years, and and in various degrees of like in various roles, uh, relationships are number one. They, they they just everything flows out of that. When they're off, it seems like your whole world is off, right? I think we can all understand about that. When our relationships aren't working, life is not working. We have a saying at our house, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) So um, you're here today to help empower us in our relationships. We're just kicking off a new series here called Success, How to Flourish When Life is Upside Down. And one of the things we're encouraging our church uh, in is to flourish in relationships. So uh, we want to just turn this over to you and uh, bring the word to us, Mark. Just come and bring us a word of hope and help us grow in our relationships. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's so good to be with you, Gateway. I have uh, been connected with you for many years. I used to come up and speak at your youth events and youth rallies and then maybe share on the Sunday morning of that weekend. And so I have uh, very fond memories of Prince George and I have fond memories of Gateway particularly and uh, just really appreciate a good friendship with your pastor and his wife. And um, and we uh, just really it's just such an honor to to be uh, here today and sharing with you 
Um, and, you know, I titled this Flourishing Relationships. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, I wrote a book recently <clears throat> that's just going to be coming out soon called Relationship Matters. And, and in that book, I'm, I'm covering five pillars. I, I broke the book into three sections. Uh, if you want a strong house, you want to have a few things go into it. One is a very healthy foundation. The next is a really strong framework. And of course, you need a sturdy roof. If you have those three things when you're building a house, it'll stand the storms of life. It'll stand the test of time. And so relationships are the same. If you want a healthy and flourishing family or a healthy, flourishing relationship, you need a healthy foundation. You need a strong framework in, in you know, which is the things you agree to and walk with together. And then you need a sturdy roof. And uh, in the book, of course, I go into detail on all of those things. Today, I'm going to focus in on the five pillars of a healthy relationship. Unfortunately, because of time, I can only cover one pillar today. But I'm going to share with you. And maybe if this speaks to you and really connects to your heart, I want to encourage you put some pressure on uh, Pastor Greg and tell him you'd like me to come back and cover some of the other pillars because uh, it's just vast. And, uh, and so I just really want to jump into this today. Um, and uh, so I'm going to start uh, just telling you what the five pillars are. The first pillar, the cornerstone pillar is trust. The next one is communication, healthy communication, so important in a relationship. And then authenticity, I find that so many people struggle with authenticity because they may not know who they are. They may not uh, understand their value. I've made a, a commitment in my life to reveal the value every person possesses and reveal the value of Christ to every person. That's my personal vision statement. That's our family vision statement. And so that's what we do. And so you have to have authenticity to be able to have a healthy relationship. Next one is honesty. And then the, third, the, the, the outside pillar on the other side is honor. And those are the five pillars. If you have those five pillars active, those principles active in your relationships, you're going to see a flourishing take place. And it's so important. I want to just share for a moment my testimony with my wife, Sandy. Um, the, you know, my book is about building strong families and fostering healthy relationships. And I do focus it in on family for the most part, but the principles are actually transferable to all relationships in every area of life. When Sandy and I met, I had a drug problem and an alcohol problem, and I was an, I was an addict, and, and uh, I wasn't a very good guy, just to be frank with you. I had, I had grown up in the church. My dad was a pastor, and I rebelled hard. <laughs> I, uh, I went against that, and that's another whole message I could talk about, but when I rebelled, I ran away from home at uh, 13, 14, and then 15 permanently. And I got myself into the, with a very uh, bad scene and with uh, people who much older than myself who were involved in all kinds of different activities, including addiction. And so when I met my wife, I met her in a bar and, uh, and we uh, started a relationship very quickly that was not very healthy. And I got her pregnant. And um, but somehow my upbringing, there was something in me that I felt I had to do the right thing. And so uh, this is how romantic I am. Here's Valentine's Day. Uh, I was on the phone. I was at work and I was talking to her on the phone. She told me she was pregnant. I said, well, I guess we should get married then. <laughs> my my early relational uh, values and my relational ability was very low. 
And I think that's one reason it's become so high in, in today, because I, I did not see until I actually started my healing journey, until we came to Christ, I did not see actually how valuable relationship was. Anyway, we are, uh, so we get married and we're going through life. And I tell you, the first years were just horrible. And my addiction, mostly because of me, not uh, my wife was hanging on. Interestingly enough, she grew up in a very, um, in a home that was had addiction and all that kind of stuff. So she kind of, you know, married the guy that was in the same boat. But I want to not take too much time on that. I want to tell you how we came to Christ because it is an amazing testimony. And the reason I want to give it to you is to give you hope. Whatever relationship you may have today that's broken. Listen, I was the prodigal son. For years, I walked away from the church, from God, from my family. And I was the prodigal. But my parents never gave up praying for me. And there was people that never gave up praying for me. And so I want you to know that you, your prayers are heard by God. I want you to know that, that you, I am living proof. If I can come to Christ, if I can actually uh, have a relationship with Christ, uh, anyone can. Don't ever look at the surface, look at the things on the outside and with your natural eyes and get and lose hope. Look in the spirit, see what's in the spirit. I always tell parents, love them in the natural and uh, but fight for them in the spirit rather than fight them in the natural. <laughs> and then, you know, just hope in the spirit, you, you need to do battle in prayer. So my parents prayed for me and, and a lot of other people did too. Anyway, fast forward, here's Sandy and I we're in this relationship, we're married, it's not going well. I got a call to uh, an opportunity to take a job in Regina, Saskatchewan, we lived on the coast and uh, I decided to take that call and to go and work at this place. I always worked hard, but I always partied hard too. And so I was going and my wife was uh, very busy managing a restaurant at the time. And so I dropped my, our two-year-old son off at my parents' place in Penticton, BC. And I went to Regina. So here we are in three different parts of the country. And I was on my way. And uh, I was far from God, and, and, and obviously, as I've said, and I stopped off at some friend's house in Calgary, and they went to the local full gospel church in Calgary, and they invited me to go to church with them. And I said, there's no way I'm going to church with you. I'm not going anywhere near there. And uh, anyway, long story short, I ended up going. And that night, the presence of God was so powerful in that service. And I just I was, my hands were sweating and I was just feeling the pressure, I got to tell you. And I actually was going to run to the altar or run out. And I ran out and I got in my car and I drove as fast as I could away, away from there. The next day I'm driving to Regina from Calgary. And if you know, that's probably the longest drive in the world. And, uh, and because uh, of the prairies and the flatness and all that, and I'm a I'm a BC boy. And so it was a, it was a long drive. And the whole time it was like, God was sitting in the passenger seat and he was talking to me and he was saying, son, I love you. Uh, you know, come back to, you know, come back to me. Uh, what you've experienced is not my heart for you and on and on. And I was just fighting. And I remember saying at one point, but God, if I do that, I got to give up all these drugs and, and partying and whatever. And, and it was like so clear. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was so clear in my heart. He said, how is it working out for you <laughs> so far? And so anyway, 
uh, I got to Regina and my, my parents had, were a little sneaky and they said, you know, we got friends in Regina that you could stay with. So you don't have to stay in a hotel. I realized the company would pay for that, but why don't you stay with our friends? Of course, it was Merv Switzer and his wife, Mary, and uh, <laughs> pastors of the local church there. And I ended up staying there and he invited me to a businessman's breakfast yeah, the following Saturday. And I, so here I am, Monday, I arrive there. He invites me for this Saturday and I'm saying, I, well, I'm, actually, I don't go to church. I don't, you know, really believe that. And, and he said, well, it's a businessman's breakfast. You know, it's not, it's in the gym of the church. Don't worry about it. Anyway, we get there. And of course, again, the presence of God is powerful. The guy giving his testimony at the breakfast is my story. I mean, it, it, it was a, it was a setup all the way by God. So that morning I was about to either run out or run up to the front and I was about to get up and leave. And the pastor put his hand on my shoulder from behind me and I just broke down. And I got to tell you, years of bitterness, I started just weeping before the Lord. And by the time I came up from weeping, everybody had left except for three or four guys, including the pastor. So I gave my heart to the Lord that day, that morning. And I, I got in the car and I said to him, I have a wife in Vancouver that I don't think's coming to move here with me. I think our marriage is over. And uh, she hadn't said anything later. I found out she was actually, in fact, not planning on coming. And I, I thought he was done with my addiction. And, and, and I just said to him, how am I going to tell her this? She has no church reference except for my bitterness towards it or God reference. And he says, well, sometimes you just got to put it out there and, and trust God. And so I phoned Sandy this is about now, uh, it was a men's breakfast. So it was about 11 a.m. in the morning. And I phoned her when I got back to their house. And I, I tell her, Sandy, I've made a commitment to God. And somehow, somehow this is going to, I know it's going to change our lives. Um, you know, and I just want you to know. And she starts crying on the other end. And now my wife was never a crier before. Now she cries at drop of a hat because she's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But then she didn't cry very often. She was a tough girl. And uh, she just started weeping. And I says, what's wrong? And she says, this morning, your dad phoned me. And I gave my heart to Jesus over the phone with your dad. <laughs> thousand kilometers apart. Thousand kilometers apart. And we were got saved and we worked out the time difference and everything. And it was within 30 minutes of each other that we gave our hearts to the Lord. Folks, if God can do that for us, he can do that for you. We've been married 37 years now. We're coming up 37 and a half years and we're coming up in 38. We have three amazing kids that we have fantastic relationships with. They're all married and we love their, those, the ones they married and they, they're, they call us mom and dad and we have great relationships with them. We have two grandchildren that we have great relationships with. Folks, Jesus is the difference maker when it comes to relationships. I want to read a couple scriptures to you. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I love this translation. I know that's where the renewing of the mind that, that Kimmy shared, Pastor Kimmy shared just a little while ago, but this is transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. God changed the way I thought. He changed the way I thought about relationships. I never thought about them before. I never thought of the value that my relationships had in my life. Whether it's friendships or business or family, I realized that relationships come central to everything. Everything flows out of relationship because God is a relational God. Because he created us for relationship, it's actually built into humanity. 
that relations are for healthy. Here's the problem. Because so many are broken, because so much trust has been broken, because so many people are in pain through these relationships. I often say relationships are the most rewarding or the most painful thing in your life, depending on how they are going, depending on how much investment you put into them. And so I want to encourage you today that you ask God to help you think differently about them if you're struggling in relationships. What I realized is I had to start thinking the way God thinks, the way Jesus thinks about them. It goes on to say, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oh man, I love that verse. Ephesians 5, 1, 2 says, in, in, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his ch dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for, for us as a pleasing aroma to God. Relationship requires sacrifice. It absolutely is an aroma to God. When we sacrifice our own will and, and surrender our will to the Lord, but then when we also lay down our will to, in, in, in order to honor another, in order to build relationship with another, it's an aroma to God and he blesses the relationship. It's a beautiful picture. In Ephesians 5, 18, 20, it goes on to like say further down there, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And can I just tell you, testify, it ruined my life. It ruined my life. It ruined my family's life until God came, until Christ intervened. And then I drank of a new wine. Oh, folks, that new wine is so good because there's no hangover and there's no destruction. It actually brings life, the new line of Jesus Christ. It's his heart. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. So it says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music to the Lord with your hearts and give thanks for everything that God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Verse 21 to 4 says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hmm. Listen to this. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife and is Christ in the, in the head of the church. He is the savior of his body for the church. And the church submits to Christ so that you wives also should submit to your husbands in everything. Here's the problem, guys. You stop reading there. Let me keep reading and you'll get a picture of what a healthy relationship looks like. For husbands, it goes on to say in verse 25, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Oh, he gave up his life for her. If you want a healthy relationship, give up your life for others. Give up your life. Your, what does that mean? It means your will, the things you want out of life what happens if what would happen if we actually laid that down and we actually preferred others and especially in our wives and we we actually built them up because look what the result is it says to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing blood of the word he did this to present her at to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish instead she will be holy and without fault <laughs> what a beautiful promise that is what a beautiful promise that is. All right. Verse 27 and 8 says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives and they love, as they love their own bodies, for the man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. There's a clue in there for unhealthy relationships. When we don't love who God made us to be, when we don't love God, we're not going to see how he loves us. When we don't know that he loves us, we don't see our value. 
And so we base our value on what the world says about us. We take the world standards instead of God's standards. And then we start to see breakdown of relationships. Now, this is any relationship. This goes with, you know, this verse is yes, talking about wives and husbands, but you can put it into any relationship and we need to humble ourselves. So this is what I want to do very quickly. I want to just share with you my first pillar, which is trust. Okay. Trust is the cornerstone pillar because it is so important without trust relationships uh, can't just can't do it. They can't survive in a way uh, that they need to, or they can't flourish in the way they could with the trust base. And so I talk about something called trust equity. What is trust equity? Well, think of it as a bank. If you make deposits into your bank and you make deposits, you're going to have equity. You know, uh, in, in the terms of financial, our equity is our assets uh, versus our, you know, our, our liabilities. And you always want to have more assets than liabilities. That's what's going to actually provide you um, with a good, healthy uh, financial status. In the same way, the relationship, we need to build trust equity. We need to make more deposits into the trust bank than we make withdrawals. <laughs> and I want to suggest to you that if we're, make, if we're not making deposits, we're probably making withdrawals without knowing it. <laughs> Everybody sends relational messages. You will, whether you mean to or not, you're going to send relational messages to other people. And so what is the relational message? I would rather be intentional and send an intentional relationship message uh, and build trust equity because there are times I'm going to make a withdrawal. And I need, if, as long as I got more money in the bank than I don't, if I only make withdrawals all the time, guess what? I'm going to go bankrupt. And in the same way, in a relationship, a relationship goes bankrupt when we take, we take from it and we take from it and we take from it, but we don't invest into it. And so I want to encourage you today to do a little inventory, to see uh, uh, where you're making your investments. So there's three things that I'm going to talk about today that make investments in the trust bank. Number one is transparency. Number two is loyalty. And third is keeping promises. So I'm just going to uh, run through these. So building trust equity requires intentional investment, as I just said. It requires you to know what investment is needed. It takes a little bit of effort to understand what you're, the person you're in relationship with needs investment in. What speaks to them? What is their love language? What is it that would build trust for them? And so you need to ask. A lot of times I just need to ask Sandy or I need to ask somebody I'm in relationship with what I need, what I can do to help them. Number two requires agreement on, or number, sorry, number three requires agreement on where to invest. So there you ask for it and then you give it right. Requires more deposits and withdrawals. As I said, if you make too many withdrawals, it's going to obviously uh, back up. So here's number one, transparency. Transparency fosters intimacy. Okay transparency fosters intimacy. And actually, I learned this from uh, Pastor Crick, uh, Brad's grandpa. He told me this years and years and years ago. He said to me this, he said, intimacy is more, if you slow it down, you say, into me, you see. Into me, you see. So if you want to foster intimacy, you have to be transparent. Into me, you see. And transparency will build trust equity because they, you're trustworthy when you do that, because it fosters that intimacy. It makes people want to connect with you when you are transparent. 
In fact, I suggest that transparency invites transparency. I've had people tell me, you know, uh, just nobody seems to trust me. They're never open with me and whatever. And I always ask the question, well, have you been open with them? You see, here's what I've discovered. It's being open like every hidden thing erodes trust. Transparency is being open with who you are as a person. So you need to be real with who you are. It, it means that you have to be okay with who you're not. <laughs> Hey, listen, none of us have it all together. We wouldn't need Christ otherwise. So, you know, none of us are perfect in relationships. And so I want to encourage you to actually be okay with who you're not and then invite Jesus into that place and say, Jesus, I, I don't like it when I get angry and react to people. I don't like it when I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. Because <clears throat> when you do that, what can happen is uh, you start to be real and you can be real with other people too. So that's the last one. You have to be real with who others are. You have to be open to be able to tell them and say, hey, you know, when you do that, it really hurts my heart because you're being transparent. Uh, there's a little saying I have. It's perception equals reality, but it's not always actuality. I'm going to say that again. Perception is reality, but it's not always actuality. You see, if somebody is perceiving a relational message we're sending and we don't respect that they're perceiving something and we, we discount it, we, we kind of uh, belittle it, what happens is we're belittling the person and their personhood. We're, we're saying that they're not of value or that their opinion doesn't matter or I'm right and you're wrong. I often tell people you can be right and wrong at the same time. You can be right about facts, but wrong with the attitude and you're not going to get anywhere in the relationship if you do that. So what you need to do is you work together to get to the actuality. It's usually in between somewhere. <laughs> it's right in the middle of it. So what, like what, how you do that is simply by honoring, uh, when you're transparent, you're honoring the person's perception, but then you are able, when you're transparent, you're able to actually give the actuality. Oh, I'm sorry, honey, that, that's not what I meant. That's not the relational message I meant to send. This is what I, this is where my heart is. You see, transparency will create a trust bank, and it'll make deposits in the trust bank. Next one is loyalty. Loyalty fosters trustworthiness. Now, here's the thing is that in loyalty isn't talked about in society anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, with the social media and, and the, the hot button political issues and all these things, uh, we just don't see loyalty in society. And so I think uh, and with the divorce rate, with the people walking away, it's it just so it feels like it's so much easier just to walk away from a relationship rather than fight for it. And I think what we've done is we've shown a generation behind us that it's okay to walk away if you're not comfortable. I just want to suggest to you that actually loyalty fosters trustworthiness. If you want to be a trustworthy person, if you want somebody to put their, you know, their trust in you, I think it's important to be loyal. And we want to model loyalty for the next generation. And so loyalty makes deposits into the trust bank because you become trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. <clears throat> Write them deep into your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. You will earn a good reputation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So loyalty earns you a good reputation and it gives you favor from God and from people. I think that uh, loyalty is probably one of the most powerful tools that you have to build healthy relationships. When you see 
when you see people who are loyal, you feel safe around them. You feel safe. And so it's such an important key that we just don't talk about anymore. So loyalty, if we break that, that Proverbs down, loyalty is an act of kindness. You see, loyalty is because it's written in my heart, not because somebody's earned it. <laughs> Nobody, you know, what could we do enough to actually earn, uh, you know, earn the kindness of others? Like if we, if we do things because we're trying to get something, that's not really giving, is it? It's not really generosity. It's not really being loyal. So loyalty is an act of kindness. It's extending grace when somebody doesn't even deserve it. That's what loyalty is. Loyalty understands that everybody, you know, is a cause and effect and people have struggles. That's loyalty. In part, uh, we also find that it's uh, seen by others and it makes you trustworthy. And also it's part of your identity. When loyalty is written in your heart, it's actually just who you are. It's such a deep value that I don't have to work at being loyal anymore. <laughs> I don't have to work at it. I am just a loyal person. And so it's really important and it will produce favor and therefore it gives you a good reputation and, and you can be trusted by many. Think about it in the workplace. Think about it in terms of your neighborhood. When you're a loyal person and you, you display loyalty, uh, you will be trusted by many. The last one, fulfilling promises. Fulfilling promises fosters dependability. <laughs> you know, people know they can depend on you when, when they can see that you fulfill your promises. Uh, there's so many broken promises now in our lives. And there's so, it's so easy to do. We don't mean to. When I was growing up, my dad would, you know, make promise say, okay, I know I've been busy at the church, but I'm going to take you to a hockey game this weekend, or I'm going to take you somewhere. And I remember as a kid looking out the, you know, the windowsill, looking, just waiting for him to come home because I knew he was going to do something. And of course, something always came up. It undermined my ability to depend on him. And part of my rebellion, part of this is on me, not him. Part of my rebellion came from that. I couldn't depend on him. So I decided in my own heart, I was going to only depend on myself. Have you ever said that? I'll never trust anybody again. I have to depend on myself. Folks, that's a recipe for disaster in your relationships. I want to encourage you. God is trustworthy. He's dependable. He was loyal. He was transparent. And he fulfilled his promise. He actually died on the cross for you. He's done, in fact, the word tells us, everything you need to live a life of godliness. He's already given it all to you. So that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So he's trustworthy. And so we can model that for sure. When you fulfill promises, you make a deposit into the trust bank. When you don't, you make a withdrawal. Even simple things, yes, like I'll take the garbage out later and we don't do it, it will begin to erode trust slowly. It's like a death by a thousand cuts when we break those little promises. So I want to encourage you today, if you've got a promise that's outstanding, that you've made a promise as little as it might be, I want to encourage you this week to go and fulfill that promise. Just follow through. Think in, at work, you might have said to your boss, yeah, I'll get to that later or I'll, you know, or a coworker, yeah, I'll get that information for you and you haven't done it yet. What happens is it undermines your dependability and it removes that favor that loyalty has built in you, has given you. And so I want to encourage you to make sure you fulfill those promises. So once again, there's five pillars. I only covered one. <laughs> And so, you, you know, there's communication and actually all the pillars work together. You could see that even by the trust lesson. If you communicate 
well, you're going to build trust when you're authentic, you're going to build, you're going to be trustworthy. When you're honest, you're going to build trust. When you uh, honor others, you're going to become a trustworthy person. So when you start to mix these uh, pillars together, they become very powerful. And I go into detail on all of them in the book, of course, which you can order. Uh, and as soon as uh, they'll post something, I think somewhere for you to be able to order it. All right, let me wrap up here. Colossians 3, 16 says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to the God, the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, listen to this. Do not agitate your children or they will become discouraged. And when kids become discouraged, they become, they start having behavior issues. So if your kids are acting out, Look no further than to whether you have aggravated them or not. <laughs> right? All relationships. Put this context. How about boss? Don't aggravate your employees. Don't agitate. Don't aggravate your employees because they'll become discouraged. Neighbor. Don't aggravate your neighborhood, your neighbors, or they will become discouraged. Folks, Jesus designed us to be encouragers. He wants us, remember, encouragement is to give courage away. He wants us to be people that power to others, not power over others. And so I want to encourage you today that if you want a flourishing family, if you want flourishing relationships in every area of your life, they only happen through flourishing relationships. If you want to have a flourishing business, it only happens through flourishing relationships. If you want to have flourishing neighborhoods, it only happens through flourishing relationships. And so I want to just close in prayer and just pray for you. And I want to pray for your relationships. Jesus, I just pray right now for Gateway family. Lord, I pray for anyone who's watching this, <clears throat> that if there's relational breaches in their life, if there's been relational messages even sent to them that have hurt their hearts, Jesus, I just pray right now that they would uh, turn their hearts to you, that they would look to you to help heal that place in their heart. Jesus, I pray that first and foremost, that Gateway family would relate to you and they would receive the relating to them from you. Lord, I pray that they would learn to relate to themselves, to understand themselves so they can be transparent, so they can be authentic. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, they would see how valuable they are in your eyes. They would see uh, that you have created them fearfully and wonderfully and that they have so much value that they do not have to live under the weight of other people's opinions, but they get to rise up in your opinion. And I thank you for that. Lord Jesus, I pray right now a blessing of flourishing relationships for Gateway Church. Lord, for all the people, for all the families, every home would have flourishing relationships. Every business would have flourishing relationships in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mark. Man, that was a loaded message for us. Man, there's so much in there. 
uh, it was so encouraging to hear your story. First of all, uh, how God redeemed uh, your life, how God redeemed even your relationship with Sandy. Man, that's exciting. It, it's just hope giving. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a test. You know what? That's what a testimony is, right? We had a test. Christ met us in it, and we now have a money. <laughs> yeah, man. We're so encouraged. And I just want to encourage you, if you're listening today, you know, it's not too late. If you're in a broken relationship, if you're struggling in your relationship with the Lord, it's not too late. <laughs> Maybe you've been making withdrawals and no investments in that in that account that uh, Pastor Mark was talking about. And, and uh, maybe others have been... Uh, uh, doing things that have broken your own trust. And, yeah. and uh, I just want to encourage you that this is a day. Don't, don't just, let's not remain there. Uh, this is a day of hope. And if you're listening, man, we want to give you an opportunity just to reach out and encounter the grace of Jesus. He, he wants to encounter you where you're at right now. And I just want to love to lead you in a prayer. If you're, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling discouraged, uh, and you've just, just, you're just feeling like, man, I need that. I need the Lord in my life. I just want to encourage you to reach out. You can just reach your hand out towards him and, and, uh, let's just, let's just confess to him how much we need him. So just maybe just say this prayer, Lord, Lord, we just admit right now, Lord, we've blown it it's in our relationships and we're, we're in a place where we need to encounter you, God. We need healing. We need hope. We need grace. Uh, we need forgiveness. Lord, mm. we need a new chance uh, to do this. And Lord, we're asking, Lord, would you meet us where we're at? We just confess, God, we've blown it. And we just ask for your forgiveness. We ask you for your healing in our hearts, in our relationships. We ask, God, you would restore us. Lord, we ask that you do miracles in our lives and in our relationships. Right now, we just confess, Jesus, uh, our need for you. And we invite you to come into our lives. Just invite you to come into my life right now. Heal me. Forgive me. Restore me, Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my Savior from this day forward. Amen. If you if you've prayed that prayer, man, let let the prayer team know that they I think they have a something going up there. Click on that button that you you reached out to Jesus and and uh, we can get some info into your hands. And then also the book that Pastor Mark wrote, Relationship Matters, is available uh, to order online. It's just coming out, so it's. I mean, if you order one, you're going to be one of the first people that gets it. And uh, man, again, thank you, Pastor Mark, for being with us. If you're uh, blessed today, give a thumbs up in the chat there. And I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Kimmy. She's going to be leading us in a baptism. So this is an exciting day for us. God bless you, Pastor Mark.